Turn with me to um, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, that's uh, in the New Testament, right behind 1 Timothy. And uh, we're going to look at actually a New Testament passage and then an Old Testament passage today. We continue our series as we look at a deep dive, and if you are hopefully, again, following along starting this week, we're going to be moving into our next uh, understanding and session as we move into this next week, and I was looking at, uh, so our study is bibliography, so... The study there, there's right. We're right here at this point in our study, and what a great word, you know. To you can go, yeah, I'm studying bibliology, and you're going, well, that's that's great. What is that? Um, it's the study of God's word, right? I mean, really, uh, it's taking the word Bible and ology and putting them together, and you have the study of God's word. I'm titled the message. Uh, well, there's no title there. Um, the title is our the study of. Uh, biblical theology and so again the study of God through God's word you know you think about it and what I have in front of us are Bibles of various translations and uh, different versions of God's word there's about 21 of them here and I want you to I want to reflect something to you that the word of God is very important to us at Abundant Life Foursquare Church Um, this is something that uh, you and I utilize as a tool to help us understand theology or the study of God. Over the years, and it was a, a few years ago that I was on a mission, and what you see in front of you is uh, basically the completion of that mission. I read through one different version of the Bible every year for 21 years. Now, I continue to read the Bible, but represented in front of you are the 21 Bibles that I read throughout the year, just as I just wanted to do a season of it. I thought I'd just do it for a few years, and I decided to keep going, and probably could still be going, but at 21 years, I thought, okay, I'm going to stop for at least a short time anyway. And uh, what you have here, in case and you're welcome at the end of the service to come and look, this, this Bible right here, this kind of uh, really thick one. This is the oldest Bible on the list uh, on front of you. It's 150 years old. And uh, this is something a friend gave to me, and I had it restored. And it's very special. It's, uh, it's a, you should, you can, you're welcome to look at it. And then also somewhere in this order here is my, oh, here, my very first Bible. Is this it right here? Yeah, this is my very, it's the most ugly one. But uh, so not as old as, whoops, almost lost it. Whoa, there goes the word. I'm going to say not as old as that one yet, but uh, it's still about 50 years old. So praise God for, the word of God's important. I want you to see that. Matter of fact, it's important enough for us to even put it, uh, the understanding of that on the doorposts of our sanctuary. If you read the devotional that I sent out on Friday, because it's Friday and Sunday's coming, uh, I reminded you that we have these mezuzahs that are on the doorposts that are very symbolic, because if you look at it, it's about a third away from the top, and it's turned into the sanctuary. And inside of that, as, as you know, it is scripture from Deuteronomy. 
And what that communicates to uh, anyone who understands that is that this is a place of the Word of God. You know, if you're, if you're Jewish, you ha- like if you were coming to my home, you would see it on, the door, on, on my home, the door, so that anyone coming in would recognize this home as a home of God's Word. And so that's why we have that there on each of these, one of our entranceways here. And I, I want us to, I hunger for you to understand the importance of God's Word. And it's something that we're instructed through His Word to read it every day. It's that important. As much as we would seldom uh, go without food unless we're fasting, you'll note that nowhere does it say that you and I fast from God's Word. That is something we eat every day of our life, and that's something we should share in. It is absolutely vital uh, to who we are and what we're about because the Bible teaches us. In, se- in Second Sim- Timothy uh, chapter 3, we're going to start there. Let's take a look at that. It says, the whole Bible, now the emphasis, the whole Bible. So what do we mean by that? In some churches, they might think Matthew to Revelation. We think Genesis to Revelation because we consider the entirety, and if you didn't know this, there are 66 books in, in the Bible. All 66 represent the whole Bible, and we utilize and study the entirety of that, which was given by inspiration, or it, God literally breathed life into it. You know, we know that when you and I uh, became, you know, life was breathed into us. Remember when the Holy Spirit came and Jesus appeared to the disciples, it says he breathed on them, and when he breathed on them, they received the Spirit of God, and they received life at that moment. Well, that's the same idea right here. It's all connected right now that God would breathe life, and it came from God, and is useful to teach us instruct us to help us have understanding and what is it four basic things so of all the things they could i mean this could have been this is this is a the critical list right here that you and i understand why it is that we read and study the word of god number one because to teach us what is true so you're wondering what's truth we have a we i've heard this statement you know a lot from different individuals what is truth well the bible tells us what is true and then secondly, to help make us realize what is wrong. You know, what's wrong in your life? You're wondering, is there anything wrong? Well, the, the Word of God will teach us that. And number three, it straightens us out. Now, this isn't a skeletal issue. This is straightening out in terms of our morality, our ethics, the way we live life. In other words, straighten out means to do it the right way, to walk a straight path, and to help us do what is right. So it might show us what is wrong, but then it also helps us understand what is right. Can you say amen to that? And so here we have the entirety. So it is God's way of making us well-prepared at every point, fully equipped so that we can help ourselves. It's fully, so that at every point, fully equipped to be happy. No, it says to do good to everyone. Now think about that. I want you to really nail that down because in the world we live in today, it's a bit of a challenge because now we're understanding, so, okay, why am I doing all this? Why am I understanding what is true, what is wrong, what straightens me out, what is right? Because it's God's way of making us well-prepared, right? So we got all the tools and the ability at every point to be fully equipped 
So we got all the tools we need to do good to everyone. To do good to everyone. So that's what we're about. And that's a bit of a challenge right now. I think uh, the world is sort of opposing that a little bit because now it's becoming more about us. All Scripture, again, which refers to the entirety of the Scripture, gives us some clarity as to what it is because we know that all Scripture, I'm going to give you some big words here, right? I think a lot of you understand these words, is inspired and infallible and profitable. What does that mean? It's accurate. It is 100% that God has given to us So it's inspired by God. It's infallible. We know that God protected the Word, so what we're reading is the Word of God. And it is profitable. There's there's a good benefit to it. There's a reason to do this. The Bible is not a collection of stories, like fables or myths or just human ideas about God. Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about God here, so I'm going to write something down. It's not necessarily like a human book in that way. It's written by human beings, but under the inspiration, it's infallible by way of the Holy Spirit. Because God revealed to some select individuals that would write down the message for God's people for all time. And then that would close. And now we have the entire, there's nothing else that's going to be added to this. Matter of fact, there's there's a book out where it says another New Testament. Well, there is no other New Testament. There's only one, and that's the one that you have, hopefully, in your hands right now. And so this is critical. Now, someone was asking uh, about, well, are we going to do any apologetics? And yes, we're going to do apologetics, which is a defending and understanding how it is we know all this is correct at another time. Because that's a, we're going to do a whole series on Wednesday evenings. That's coming down the road. Where we'll probably spend a couple months looking at that. There is so much amazing information out there that you think about it. Let me just say this. This is the one book that has been scrutinized more than any other book. And to date, as I'm talking right now, it's still 100%. So people have done everything they can to take it apart, rip it up, and find something wrong with it. And so far, every discovery, everything we've come up, everything that we know has validated all the fulfilled prophecies. Everything that's been spoken of is as it is in Scripture. So you can have amazing confidence in this book, unlike any other book. It, this, is, this is more, we have higher confidence in this book than you, your textbooks that you get at school. You know, the, in case I'm into that. So this is a, very, this is a valid, amazing book that we can utilize, and it's 100% trustworthy. And so its words are authoritative for our faith and our lives and the practice of that faith. So the Bible equips us. Again, this is, please don't forget the purpose. There's a lot of challenges to this, and even the way sometimes we speak from the pulpits like this in terms of what it is that we're saying, it's to equip you and I to do good for those around us. I mean, our mission is when we walk out the door, we're going into a mission field, the world around us, and we want to do good. And that's the entirety of the Word of God says it's all about the good things that we can do. This is not just to give you more knowledge or to help you prepare to win arguments in your discussions with other people. We study the Word of God so that we can do good. And in order to do good, we need to know what's true. I mean, right now, there's a battle for truth. 
The Bible is our standard for testing whatever someone comes and tells you, I claim this to be true. So what is, what is the test? This is the test right here. Okay? What is wrong? Well, again, it safeguards against, there's all kinds of false teaching coming our way. People are pushing against us saying, no, this is what it really means. This is what we should believe. And, and on and on it goes. I mean, there's all kinds of push against marriage, against gender, against lifestyle, against whether or not you can lie or not lie, or how you can make money. I mean, almost every area of life is under attack. And so, so we need to know what's, what, what's wrong and what is right. Well, we have that guidance here, and it talks about what is straight for us. And so we have these truths because the Bible's like a navigational guide. Aren't you thankful for navigational guides and technology? I love my navigator. You know, when I don't know where to go, go, like the other day I wasn't sure I had to go someplace. I wasn't quite sure what it was. And around, you know, here on the peninsula, there's these little streets and stuff, you know, that kind of appear out of nowhere. Have you noticed that? And I loved how the, I was being directed, and all of a sudden it came on and said, in 500 feet, turn right. And as I'm going, thinking 500 feet, it goes 400 feet, turn right. In 300 feet, and now I'm panicking. 100 feet, I'm looking, there's no place to turn, and all of a sudden, in 50 feet, there was the corner, and I turned right. And then it said something that was so exciting as I went right up to my, it said, you have arrived at your destination. Can't you wait till you hear the words from God? You have arrived at your final destination. (laughs) So that's the best navigation. This is a navigational tool. Tells you where to turn right, where to turn left. Even tells you how many lights you have to go through till you get to the spot you want to get to. It tells us right here in Ephesians, listen, uh, chapter 2, verse 10. It is God himself who made us and what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ago, listen to this, he planned that we should spend Lee's lives. So why was I created? What is my purpose? God just tells you, in helping others. I look at what I do and why I'm here. I'm here to help people. That is one of the greatest joys. I can't wait till I get an opportunity to help people. I thoroughly enjoy helping people. And some of you understand that. Because God created us to do that. And so the Bible transforms us using the Word of God empowered by the Holy Spirit so that our soul is different. I mean, how do you affect a human soul? I mean, we're talking about the deepest part of a human being. I mean, sometimes a lot of us don't even understand what is soul, what is spirit. We'll talk more about that later on. But the, we talked a little about pneumonology, right? Remember that fancy word? the Holy Spirit, and that we are spirit as well as flesh, that all of this is part of who we are. And when you read the Word of God, and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit, watch out! Because you are going to be different. You're going to be transformed. Listen, I'm not making this up. Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 12. You can read more if you want. It says, For the Word of God is living and powerful. This is the Word of God, living and powerful, 
than and and sharper. Oh, I love that. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Now at that time, they had swords that were really sharp, like a scalpel, like something you would use in surgery, piercing even to listen the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, your bone marrow. We're talking about as deep as you can get into the human body in terms of what we can see. We're really talking about getting into the DNA of a human being. We're talking about the smallest molecules you can imagine when you think about the division of soul and spirit, getting to that something that is so unbelievable, even unseen, the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Does it get any deeper than that? See, even before anything happens, the Word of God says, I know your, the intent of your heart before you even do it because the Word of God explains it to us. It teaches that. It, can, it has the power to transform us and to teach us what is, what is sin, but also teach us how to love. One of the biggest things right now in the world that we live in, people need to know that they are loved. Remember, we talked about a lot of people feel alone. There is no reason for any of us to ever feel alone because the Lord God loves us. We love people. We forgive people. We treat others well. It tells us how to raise our children. It tells us how to be good parents and grandparents and, and siblings, and it tells you how to be a, a, a good you know, mom and dad, and all the things you can think of in life, you think, well, what are my boundaries? Why? We talk about boundaries. Well, this teaches you about boundaries and how to live within those boundaries. And you know what? We talked about this last week. The Holy Spirit reminds you of these words only. See, the Holy Spirit has a boundary. So when it reminds you of words, it's not going to remind you of my words. It's going to remind you of God's words. Can you say amen to that? Amen. See, some, someone said to me the other day, he said, you know, Pastor, your voice is in my head. I said, oh, God, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> and I don't want to be in anyone's head. I want the Holy Spirit to be in your head. Can you say amen to that? I've learned something that is a simple truth that I want to give away to you. It's taken me almost 50 years in my walk with the Lord to figure this out. And that I've learned, I've learned something, that when I live according to the teaching of this Bible, the Word of God, you ready? Here it is. Life works better. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But it's truth. Because... There are things I've done that were not according to the Word of God, and you know what? Life didn't work out so well. But I've discovered that life works really well when I live according to the Word of God. It tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. He's going to show you how to live life. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Wow. All right, there's an Old Testament. Now let's look at the New Testament. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8. You know, we've talked a lot about, and I've thought a lot about revival, and was Ashbury a revival? I don't know yet. We're, we'll still understand. But a lot happened over 
the 16 days that it went on, and now that there's some transition that's gone on. And I've heard a lot of people talk, oh, revival, what's revival? I hope for revival, want to see revival. I'm going to show you revival. Because Nehemiah chapter 8 is revival. It's about the restoration as a direct result of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in the life of people that was literally transforming. Now, I don't have time to give you the whole thing, but real quick oversight. We're going to read about Nehemiah, and we're going to read about Ezra. Both prophets, both lived at the same time. So, you know, they're both around, they're contemporaries. And what's happening is Nehemiah had a mission. Fix the wall around Jerusalem, because it was a broken down wall. They had no protection, they were unable to feel safe, and so Nehemiah, under the direction of God, and working as an amazing team, and we're going to study Nehemiah again one of these days. It's been, it's been years since we've done it, and I love Nehemiah. We'll, we'll get into that. But what he does in, in basically two months is rebuilds the entire wall. Rebuilds the gates, does all this stuff. And then in chapter 8, with this rebuilt wall, Ezra, who had been praying for over 30 years for this moment, gathers people together. I want you to hear that again. He's been waiting 30 years for this moment. Here's a prophet of God who had to wait 30 years. So stop complaining about waiting. Can you say amen to that? I hear that for myself. That's truth that I need, to stop complaining about waiting. So, Nehemiah 8, verse 1, Now all the people gathered as one man, in other words, they were unified together in the open square. It's kind of like, remember when we we met between the buildings? Only think of it a whole lot bigger, but that idea, they were outside and, and they gathered in the open square that was in front of the water gate. Okay, we're going to come back to that. That's an important piece of information. And they... And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses. Okay, now, this is not like a law book. This is scripture. The law of Moses was, was basically the Torah, or the Pentateuch. It was the first five books. And it was the, the writings of Deuteronomy and, 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 and all the writings of scripture. And they're bringing this book that had been written down. And Ezra was a scribe, which means he was one of those guys who wrote this stuff out, right? He probably was reading stuff that he had written out. Very, uh, oh, scribes are amazing. They, when we were in Israel, there was a scribe there. I got to tell you really quick. And he, would, he was writing out our name with a message that he thought God wanted to give to us. Oh, that was so cool. Oh, man. Anyway, that was a great moment. Nothing like having a real scribe writing that was like, well, I'm I'm living the Bible right now. Um, so, the, which the Lord commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the, the law, the scripture, before the assembly of men and women. And listen, all who could hear with understanding. So anyone understanding, so every, even kids who understood would, would have been invited on the first day of the seventh month. And that's important too, but we won't get into that. When he read from it in the open square, that was, a, now notice the emphasis, in front of the water gate from morning till midday. Six hours of continuous reading of God's Word. Can you imagine a six-hour service where all you do is listen to the Word of God? Some of you don't want to imagine that. But can you imagine to be able, here's, and those six hours, 
flew by because they were so hungry and it had been such a long time that they had not heard the word. It had been decades and now they're coming together. So it really wasn't that big of a deal for them. And so they began to speak and read this word and it says all the people were attentive to the book of the law. See, God's rebuilding right now and reinforcing their commitment, their worship, their understanding of the word. These people faced all kinds of challenges and discouragements and fear and intimidation, but they came back together as a team in the midst of all that they faced, maintained their unity at that point, kept their focus on mission, the wall was completed. Now listen, we face the same thing. We face intimidation, we face battle, we face everything that they faced as long as we rebuild together. Now we may not rebuild a physical wall, but you know what? We're rebuilding a spiritual wall. Some of you have a broken down wall in your personality, in your life. You know what? God's rebuilding that. So why? So you can worship. So you can draw close to God again. Because the wall, metaphorically, what? It provides protection. It gives us boundaries and releases the freedom to have joy and to experience more of God. Let me say it this way revival can take place. One of the reasons revival doesn't happen is sometimes we're not sure we feel safe. We're not sure we feel, you know, we feel too broken. And then God says, let me come and rebuild you. Let me, let me come and reframe you. Let me come and, and do a miracle in your life. And now you can have an amazing release of God so revival can take place. Now, it's interesting because, as I said, this takes place in front of the water gate. I've seen the water gate. I, I know what they're talking about. That gate, interestingly enough, was symbolic, you ready, of cleansing and washing. So here's what would happen. That was a gate that the priests and others would go through, and before they would face the tabernacle, they had to get cleaned before they were in front of God. It was a, a ceremonial cleansing that would take place. So now you're getting ready to be in front of this amazing holy place. And so here's the deal. You need to take a shower, or in this case, a bath. And you need to get cleaned up, because if you're going to be in front of God, you need, to, you need to get cleaned up. Now, you begin to think about that, and listen to John 15.3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken. I want you to think about how God comes to cleanse us so we can get in front of God. You know, there's something about when you get out and work in the world. Some of you, you know, we, we know what it's like. The other day I was out working on, on my house and, you know, I was doing all kinds of repair and painting and stuff. And by the time I got done, I, I went up to and I said, oh, I'm so glad to be done. I went to hug Lois. And I said, oh, it's so good to be done. And she said, oh, you stink. I said, but it's good stink. She said, no, no, it's not. <laughs> I said, well, I guess I'm not getting no hug right now. She said, no, no, not really. Go take a shower. 
<laughs> and then you'll get the hug. You see, when we get out in the world and we, we if you will, do the work, you kind of get odorous. <laughs> and then you need to be cleansed. The same thing's true. And what cleanses us here is the Word of God. Because the Word of God cleanses us. And so this amazing thing started happening. Look at verse 4 of Nehemiah 8. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for this purpose. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Big moments taking place. He's standing above all the people, again, to honor. That's up high because they wanted to do something visual that said, the word of God is going to be at the highest place above all the people because this is a big deal. So let's, let's get it up high, which was, was intentional. And he opened it up. And he opened it up, and what happened? All the people stood up. Why? Because they respect this thing. This word of God was being respected. It was being revered. It was being honored. It says, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered. What did they answer? Amen. All together? Amen. And then they said it what? Amen. Then we say it twice. That's a big deal. Amen and amen, while lifting up their hands. We just got done singing that. Lifting up our hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces on the ground. Revival has begun. That is the element of revival. How do we respond at the hearing of the word of God? It's talking about the word of God is like water that washes us and cleanses us. But for some of us, I imagine you're like a duck, and it's water off a duck's back. Instead of it really working into our lives, into the depths of who we are. I mean, Ezra was so committed at this moment for what could happen, what would take place. And I think he was, he was frustrated and embarrassed for God's people because they were not fulfilling what God had instructed them to do. Listen to Deuteronomy 17, 6, 19. It says, he must read from it, we're talking about it, the word of God, every day of his life, so that he will learn to respect the Lord, his God, by obeying all his commands. He must read from it every day of his life. Do you read from the word of God every day of your life? Don't answer the question. But the word both, you're going, well, that's Old Testament. It also tells you the same thing in the New Testament, that we're, read, we're to read God's word every single day. And revival was taking place because of this declaration. Look what happened. They all stood up, right? Reverence and they, they lifted their hands, openness to God. They responded with an amen, an agreement. They bowed down, recognizing and honoring God's authority in their life, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces on the ground. Somewhere between thirty and 50,000 people gathered to, to worship at this moment and to honor God. You see, when you honor God that way, you're strengthened. Look what it says in verse 9 of Nehemiah 8. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Well, they wept because they hadn't heard from it. I mean, it had been such a long time. It affected them because they wanted it. 
The Spirit of God was active in them. When you come hungry, and all of a sudden there's something, I mean, haven't you ever been at a place where all of a sudden you have a meal and it just brings tears to your eyes? Or you, all of a sudden you see someone you haven't seen for such a long time and it brings tears to your eyes? When Lois and I saw Lillian, we both kind of brought tears to our eyes because we waited such a long time and knowing everything that Teresa had to go through and everything Lillian went through, to see her all of a sudden 100%, we kind of teared up with thanksgiving going, wow, look at that, she is so amazing and we are so thankful. That's the same thing here. They wept. And, and so Nehemiah, so the, Ezra and Nehemiah are talking and says, so he said to them, go your way. Okay, after having read this word and declared this, this moment of revival, and it says, eat the fat. Go have a steak. Drink sweet. Send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. There it is again. Isn't the word of God consistent? Okay, you guys go have a, a meal and celebrate, but make sure everyone around you can have a meal and celebrate. It didn't say you go and have your own time. It said go and make sure you can do that, but make sure everyone else around you also has the capability of doing that. It says, for this day is holy to our God. So don't sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Can you say amen to that? See, something happens when revival takes place because following repentance, following the mourning, well, it comes joy. And we mustn't forget joy. You know, it's interesting. Hebrew says, long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors. This is Hebrews chapter 1, the first four verses, through the prophets like Nehemiah and Ezra. But now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son. That's Jesus. And God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he made the universe and everything in it. Right? This is a, we've studied this. We've looked at this. This is a great summary. And the son reflects God's own glory. And everything about him represents God exactly. Everything about God is represented here exactly. He sustains the universe by the mighty power of his command after he died to cleanse us. There it is again, water gate, to cleanse us from the stain of sin. And he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God of heaven. Now, this is Old Testament, this is New Testament. Listen, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her that he might sanctify, and here it is, listen, cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. There it is. Ezekiel 36, 25, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. Now we're talking about spiritual things. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness. It says, and from all your idols, all your media, the video clips, all the things that you have allowed in your life, the Word of God says, I will cleanse you. 
and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I am praying for every one of us to have a new heart and a new spirit. Because our heart and our spirit have been polluted by idols and by the things that we should have not seen, things we should have not heard, but it's in your head. But there's a way to be cleansed from that, from all the ugliness. He says, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, a new heart, a new way of living life. We come around the Lord's table to let God do this in us. If you want revival to happen, then it needs to happen in you first. We need to come around the table and say, okay, God, cleanse me. As I receive your body and your blood, cleanse me of all the things that I have allowed to soil my soul and my spirit and my mind and my heart. And every one of us needs cleansing. So don't think that you, including me, we all need the cleansing of God because we're exposed to a world around us that can be pretty ugly. And sometimes, unknowingly, you get exposed to something. You thought, I didn't want to see that. I didn't want to hear that. There's still a way. There is a way. By the power of God, by the sacrifice he made. We just were reading about it. Because while they were eating, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to the disciples that take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup after the cup and gave thanks and offered to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Can we prepare to let God cleanse us? Can we prepare for revival that would happen in us first? So revival can happen in this community? As we begin in worship, would you... And at home as well, let's get ready for what God has for us.